Five, five, four, four, three, three, two, one, one. When I had come down this hill, I had seen this creature cross the road. It would have ripped my locked door from my truck, extracted me from my vehicle, and there wasn't a damn thing I could have done about it. This thing, I got to notice in its eyes. Its eyes was real, real evil, real sinister looking. Look, it was given. Jesus Christ, you better. Sir? Yeah. Hello? Get somebody out here. What's going on now, sir? That son of a bitch is about six foot nine, I don't know. Do you see him now, sir? Yes, I'm looking right at him. Uh oh. Sasquatch Chronicles, a place where people share their encounters. Let's start the show. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thanks for being here tonight on a Monday night. We continue our interview with Bob Garrett. And last night, Bob and I were talking about the Phantom Canyon, and we'll talk a little bit more about that along with some of the stranger things that uh, you came across, Bob. And thank you again for being here tonight. I wanted to ask you right off the bat, you know, I get a lot of different encounter stories. I hear a lot of people's experiences, and one of the encounters I wanted to ask you about, I know that you and I have talked about it off the air uh, but for the sake of the audience, I had this gentleman on this hunter uh, back probably 10, 15 episodes now. And he had talked about uh, p- this Sasquatch had picked up a rock and started banging it against a tree. And as a Sasquatch would do this, it would stop and it would listen, put its ear up against a tree and listen, and then step back and take the rock and, and smash the tree a few more times. Uh, and then finally it pushed a tree down and it had grabbed a possum out of the uh, deadfall tree, smashed it against a, uh, another tree, killing the possum. The Sasquatch then ripped open the, uh, possum and basically sat down and ate it. Did you ever observe that type of behavior when you were out mining? Well, we've talked about this before, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, Wes, but, uh, yes. They will bang or slap the trees like that. It's typical behavior that I have observed uh, where they are uh, feeding and and they're looking for something to scurry inside the tree. And they'll knock it over and, and, and they'll sometimes even use the rock to uh, kill whatever they get. Or uh, they'll be looking for larvae. And, and uh, like I said before, 
uh, pine bark beetles and, 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 you know, wood grubs and even wood ants. Uh, you know, they make a lot of noise when you, uh, you know, you go and, and hit the tree like that and, uh, put your ear up to it. Sometimes you don't even have to. You just, just listen. You can hear them moving. And, uh, you can knock it over and, and, and it usually falls apart. The tree itself will fall apart. They can get those, uh, you know, wood ant larvas out and they eat them and they eat the, uh, uh, wood grubs and they eat the larvas from the pine bark beetles. And I guess they're, you know, omnivores. Is that what you would call them? Where, you know, like a bear. And, you know, like bears eat moth. <clears throat> you know, you can go up and see where, uh, you know, they've turned, uh, boulders over and, and eat those moths. Well, you know, lo and behold, uh, you know, speaking of what they do, uh, old sweat, old Sasquatch, he'll do the same thing. But, uh, but, but also, yes, they do do wood knocks. They do do wood knocks as communication to say, I'm over here. This is where I'm at. Uh, where are you at? You know, it's not, uh, all just for, uh, uh communication, also for supper. <laughs> yeah, they're feeding just like any other wild animal. Right, right. You know, Bob, last night we were talking about the Sasquatch that you ran into when you were mining, somewhat of a rapport, and I was very fascinated by the encounter. I wanted to ask you, when you were out mining, was that the only creature that you ran into, or or did you actually see other ones as well? Uh, Oh, I I saw a lot of them. Uh, One of my other, I mean, this was just a uh, unique encounter that uh, was basically unique, I guess you might say. Uh, as far as uh, other encounters, yeah, I, I've had uh, close encounters. I had one come out. I've, I've told a little bit of this before. I've had one come out while I was uh, uh, working a pocket uh, in a creek, and uh, it was across the creek from me. The creek was pretty good size. I just happened to, to look up, and there he was. And he was watching me, you know, pan gold. And, uh, or, you know, looking for gold. And I, I, I looked back behind me, and my, my, my rifle's way back behind me. You know, it scared me pretty good. But he stood there. I, I just, I, I started saying the large prayer outside. I mean, you know, uh, out loud, as loud as I could go. I started, uh, I sang Puff the Magic Dragon, and I sang uh, nursery rhymes, and uh, I sang uh, uh, I, I sang the, the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> I, I just I just wanted to keep it, uh, I, I don't know, it just felt like I needed to, to, to do that, you know. Uh, I, I wanted to keep it uh, interested. And not coming across and, uh, you know, tearing my head off. <laughs> it was way back and forth a little bit and everything. And I would look at it and it would straighten back up. And <clears throat> I was trying not to, you know, look at it direct on. I would kind of look up, you know, through my, uh, uh, you know, over my forehead, you know, kind of, you know, to see it. And I just kept panning and kept panning the same damn rocks and everything over and over and over and over again. 
I happened to look up. I, I looked at the shadows on the ground, and I, I, I Lord, man, this has been almost an hour. I happened to look up at one point, and uh, it wasn't even there anymore. Yeah, you hear about people who have encounters. I've had people on the show before that said they sang songs or recited the Lord's Prayer. or uh, And I remember I asked one guy, I said, why, why do you think you sang a song? I don't remember the song he sang, but he said, I think it was more for me than it was for anything else, just to kind of, it was good for the soul, it was good for the, the psychology of the situation, just to kind of, so I wouldn't freak out, is basically why he did it. Yeah, it probably is the same reason. I uh, I wanted to hear something, you know. I want I wanted to hear my voice. I wanted to I wanted noise to be made. I don't know why I wanted noise to be made. That that I think was my motivation more than anything uh, outside of the fact that I was praying. <laughs> yeah, and I don't blame you on that. You know, Bob, when you were out living in the way you were, middle of nowhere. What type of vocals did you hear from these creatures? Oh, much like what I hear now. Uh, you know, the the screams, the, uh, well, what you would, I, I guess, you know, kind of like babbling, kind of, you know? Oh, like the gibber, the, the chatter. Yeah, you know, like they're, they're talking real fast or something. Like they're discussing something or whatever, or, 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 or you know, long distance communication and, a lot of grunt and uh, things of that sort. They really, I really didn't get a lot of vocalization out of them as I did uh, the uh, the grunting sound. Where we used to live, we had a canyon. There was a big cut in the ground, and uh, we used to go up. There, there was a family group that lived in that canyon that we discovered, and. Uh, we would go and sit on the rocks uh, above that canyon. I guess it was probably uh, at that at that point that that part right there was probably about uh, three hundred maybe feet deep or something like that. You could hear, you know, their screams and uh, their their you know kind of like a wail and stuff like that. It's it, it's pretty much what you know we've given you before. Uh, that's pretty much all the same, except for sometimes it's really, really intense. You know, I've had guests on before. You and I were just talking about it earlier. But, you know, in that situation where the Sasquatch was throwing you food, uh, like I said, that's not too far off on, on their behavior. I mean, I could definitely see something like that going on. But then sometimes you get the other side of the coin. I had a guest on the Insider Edition and he talked about the Sasquatch being a crazy bag lady. I think he used the term homeless, crazy bag lady moments. Like it would walk. And what he would describe is this thing would walk. It looked like a huge, hairy half man, half ape or half woman, half ape. And he said that it would, it just seemed like it was crazy. Like it was insane. He said that early in the mornings, it would come down off the ridge top. And it would be going through his area. And he said what this thing would do was it would gibber and throw its hands in the air, kind of like what you'd see a home, you know, crazy homeless person doing. And he said it would almost be like it was yelling at something. And then it would stop and it would walk and it, it would walk another hundred yards or so. And it would stop 
and then it would have another crazy bag lady moment. It would start screaming, like gibbering, flailing its hands in the air like it was yelling at nothing. And then it would go back to walking. Do you think that with these creatures, some of them are just plain nuts? <laughs> well, to put it bluntly, I think some of them are prone to uh, mental diseases the same as we are. And the reason why I say that is because uh, that night that uh, Travis and I had been out on the Lone Star Trail in Texas, uh, and that female came in and tried to kill us, she had a meltdown. I mean, just, you know, like a very horrible emotional meltdown. It was like uh, watching an old lady with Alzheimer's and I have done, I have watched old ladies with Alzheimer's in my family and seen them have their meltdowns and everything. And it was sad also, as well as scary being six miles out in the middle of nowhere, uh, for her to do that. And she just sat down and would just scream bloody murder. I don't know how to describe it other than just, uh, you know, insanity. And I have heard also, you know, many of, uh, many of my Native American friends, uh, have also told me that uh, they are prone to, uh, or can be, uh, prone to, you know, insanity. They can, uh, uh have schizophrenic, uh, tendencies. They can be bipolar, I guess. They, they can have emotional problems, and I do believe that. I, I believe that they can. I believe that they can have our diseases, our cancers, and everything else. I know we assume a lot of times that these things are killing people. I think you and I are on the same page that, yeah, they do kill people and possibly eat them. Do you think that is a result of possibly some sort of mental disorder, or do you think that's a result of someone crossing a line or doing something that's perceived to be wrong in the Sasquatch's eyes. So it sets it off and, and that's what happens to people who cross the line. Well, this, this is what I, this is my opinion and this is my observations. Okay. Uh, some of it is my opinion made because of the observations. I believe that we are on the menu a good bit of the time. I believe that, uh, yes, there are bad ones and there are good ones. There are ones that, uh, would never bother you. Uh, there, there are those that, uh, don't mind taking your head off and taking you home for dinner. There's some that would don't mind just tearing you to pieces and throwing you up in a tree. Uh, there are some that, don't want to have a confrontation with you. I, I, I fully believe and I have observed the fact that uh, you get too close and you can be toast. Uh, you'll pay for it. If you hurt one, you're going to pay for it. Uh, if you shoot at one, even if you don't hit it, you may just very well pay for it. That's why you should just always leave them alone. If you want to observe these creatures, uh, do it in a manner where 
you're not uh, putting yourself at risk. Do it in a manner where you're not having to get uh, terribly close to them. Does that make any sense to you? <laughs> yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense. You're going to have trouble with them if you mess with them. Uh, you're going to have trouble with them sometimes regardless. You're going to have uh, them observing you. They're going to have, you know, they're going to scream at you if they don't want you in the area. If they have young around, that's dangerous, just like, you know, a bear or, or a cat or, or any other wild animal. Uh, if you have, if they have young ones around, like what happened to us here not too long ago out in the field. Was that the story with the game cams? Do you mind telling that story? Yeah, we went into an area and, uh, you know, we're squatches and men. Actually, it was where the female was. I believe that she has passed on, actually. Uh, it's been over 20 years. But uh, it it let us know right away, this male let us know right away that uh, we were encroaching on its, on its uh, domain, I guess you might say. We put up game cams, and we went back in there the uh, uh, two days after that, and uh, I got screamed at. Uh, right there by the truck in the middle, you know, around 11 o'clock in the morning. I figured that they have something in there, you know, like young ones and, and females that he just doesn't want us to be, you know, be messing with. He didn't want us out there. One of our one of our members, Javier, he's a very good tracker, and he went in there. I was resting at the truck. He went down into the meadow area. And uh, he found bedding places, and, and, and he found also very small footprints. He, he They came back up, and Javier said, Bob, they got young ones out there. And I said, that, well, you know, that's what I figured. They did have young ones out there. And that male, he didn't want us out there. He didn't want us messing with it. Anyway, it was also consistent because we got uh, – uh, we got some sayings off of the uh, trail cams uh, of, of young ones, you know, about five feet tall, maybe five, six, five, five, whatever. Because uh, I put the cameras up about six feet, and they were they were just below the camera. Uh, you know, we got uh, some of them. We got several hundred pictures, actually, of them playing with the cameras. <laughs> and so... I guess Big Daddy uh, didn't want us out there because of that. And, and what they did was, and I presume this was Big Daddy because the, uh, the tracks were huge. They pulled up about uh, 15 foot, 20 foot uh, pine trees. They drug them up, crossed them on the trail, and they also crossed uh, some uh, pine uh, limbs on the trail. They tore down some small trees all around where the camera was and uh, the footprints that Javier and I were finding uh, were probably 17, 18 inches. That's just telling me that, you know, hey, you guys need to get, you know, don't leave these toys out here anymore. You guys need to go. The game camp was actually scratched up. (laughs) The ones in Colorado you know, had more of a human-like look to them. The ones in Texas have more of a chimp, 
like look to them. And I know it's a very vague description I'm given, but did you notice a difference between the two? I mean, did you think in Texas, Jesus, this is nothing like I ran into in Colorado? Well, I was amazed. I, I, I was actually amazed at the frequency of uh, the the vocals that we got. I was totally amazed and blown away by the uh, frequency of the fighting that we were getting. Uh, yeah, I think they're different. Uh, I think their mentality is different. I think if you go into an area uh, as small as the one that we're working in right now, and you have you have them in there, you're going to probably have some trouble with them. I think if you go in there leaving, you know, things uh, like, uh, you know, what people call offerings and, and putting up altars and stuff like that. But uh, to them, this is saying, you know, I'm taking this area, you know, and you're going to have trouble with them. Uh, I think they think different than the ones uh, in Colorado or up north, put it that way. As far as them looking different, well, you know, they have more than one look here. They have, you know, the ones that are really, really big, and they got the round heads and the little bitty ears. Uh, they look kind of, uh, sometimes, you know, some of them look kind of retarded, and I hate to say it that way, but that's what they look like. You know, they fungaloids, you know, in, in their look. Some of them look like big old huge bikers until they turn around, and it's not a big biker in a, in a, in a coat. It's a... Uh, you know, it's a squatch. Some of them are a little bald-headed. Uh, they got round heads and they're bald-headed. Uh, some of them have the, champ, the, the, the chimpanzee look and uh, crossed with a uh, uh, orangutan and, and maybe something else. Yeah, they're, they're, they're quite different here in the South. I think from uh, the Carolinas uh, all the way down to Florida, to, uh, into uh, Mississippi, uh, all the way over to uh, the Texas. Uh, I, uh, I think they're quite different. At men, but but they do have, we do have the black ones here with the chronicle head, and, you know, they're tall and everything. And most of the time, you don't have any problems with them. It's the other ones. And, and if you don't mind me saying so, in this one area, or if you don't mind me continue, uh, you know, going on. Yeah, please do. You have the mic. Uh, this one area that we have down here now for over 20 years, uh, and we're not the only ones that research this area. Well, I've got some very good friends that come in there, too. This one group, the old man, he's really big. But... Uh, he, we came to the conclusion is that he keeps them from messing with the campers that are uh, uh, primitive camping in that area. He doesn't he doesn't let them or, or like them to uh, mess with the human beings, and he keeps them on a short leash, and that's what we have uh, uh, observed and ascertained. Now, if you're in the woods in the middle of the night, yeah, they're going to scream at you. They're going to look at you. They might throw some stuff at you. But the nighttime is their time uh, out there. You know, you can go out there all the time you want in the daytime and in the evening, but, you know, you get out of there by the time it's dark. 
because they're going to be hunting and eating and everything and going down to the creek to drink. And uh, I, I think that uh, he has enough sense to know, or did have enough sense to know, that uh, you don't mess with these people. People come out here all the time. They hunt. They fish. Uh, uh, one of the recreation areas are right up the road. Uh, another recreation is right down the trail. Uh, there's a game preserve in there, and you can't hunt in there, and they go in there a lot. I, I just think that he has kept his group all these years from, uh, you know, messing with the campers, basically, messing with the people, basically. How did you come to that conclusion? Uh, because they never mess with us. The the, uh, uh, the the primitive camping area is is about an acre, two acres, and you make it into there, and you set up your camp and everything. They may come and look at you, but that's your area, and that's where you stay. The fact that uh, how can I say this? The fact that no one has uh, had any complaints or, 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 or come up with injuries or anything like that, in a, like they have in other places in that forest. Uh, he doesn't seem to mind us at all. He doesn't seem to mind that we see him. Uh, his group uh, doesn't seem to mind, and they seem to stay out of our way kind of coexist together there, you know. We've been in there for over 20 years or so. And Glenn, a good friend of mine, he has been in there with his group for close to 20 years. And uh, never have there ever been any confrontation or any problem whatsoever. They have come on to camp now uh, when we're gone. And, you know, you get in there and you, you might see them run off. And uh, that happened to Tim and, and, and some of the guys one time before, too. And all full seven of them got to see him. It's just a feeling that you get, Wes. These guys, they don't bother you. They don't mess with you. They don't, they don't care that you're there. And when you go to other places out there, my God, you try to put up your camp and you're getting things thrown at you. You... You're getting screamed at. Uh, I mean, I I'm glad that they're throwing stuff and screaming at us you know, before we get the tents out, you know. That way we can just go on about our business. And, and uh, you know, sometimes you get hurt. I mean, like, uh, they can they can throw a log, pretty damn, a pretty damn big log, and they can hit you with it. And uh, it hurt, it'll hurt you. It'll break your bones. It, it'll... I had I had uh, uh, some muscles torn in my, in my arm, my shoulder one time because uh, I got hit with a log. But out there, you don't feel any uh, danger, you might say. You just have no problems with them. Yeah, and I think you you and I know firsthand about the log throwing and <laughs> how they can throw logs. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you remember that, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I remember that really well. You know, one of the things I wanted to ask you, and I got all kinds of emails from uh, people who are wanting to hear from you and love when you're on the show and all kinds of questions. I'd like, to, I'd like to tell everybody I appreciate it very much. I think they appreciate you being on. Uh, one of the guys asked, he asked a question about 
Uh, did you ever run into any dogmen when you were out there mining? And what's your take on the dogman? I never, ever have run into a dogman while I was uh, mining. Not ever. Uh, just plain old squatches. Uh, a few wolves. <laughs> uh, a lot of coyotes. And uh, a bear occasionally. Uh, a badger, but never... Never a dogman. My take on dogman is that, well, up to about a year ago, or maybe a little over a year, I honestly never believed in dogman. I used to find tracks down here that were strange, and I thought, well, you know, this is something wrong with the squatch. This cannot be, you know, uh, a canine-type creature. I discovered, and I'm not going to tell you how I discovered it, that I'm wrong. I do believe they do exist. I believe they're rare. And I believe I've been finding their footprints from time to time. And I have pictures of those footprints, as a matter of fact. And I think I've shown them to you. I, I guess that's pretty much all I have to say about, uh, or, or all I can say about squat, I mean, about, uh, Dogman. Is, yeah, I, I, I think they're real. Uh, I never believed in it before, but uh, I've always had an open mind. But I think the prints that I've been finding, yeah, are, are dogmen. Do you think it's more... A canine type. Uh, and that's what I was going to ask you. Do you think they're more of a canine type creature, or do you think it's more of uh, an offshoot of Sasquatch? Uh, I don't think it has any Sasquatch in it at all. I think it's uh, more akin to to a dog, <laughs> to a wolf. Yeah, very canine. Uh, yeah, very canine. Uh, uh, I mean, I really don't know what they are, to be honest with you. I think they're, I think they're pure evil myself. <laughs> yeah, and you hear that a lot from witnesses. Evil seems to come up a lot whenever someone's talking about a dogman encounter. Uh, one of the other questions, I, I know there were so many questions. I apologize to the audience. I'm not getting to all of your questions for Bob. But one of the questions a guy asked, he said, please ask Mr. Garrett if he, it has ever crossed his mind that he thinks that Sasquatch is demonic. The reason why I asked the question, they're almost impossible to get a clear image or a clear video of one, yet I believe that people are running into these things. And, and that's a it's a fascinating question, Bob. I, I think a lot of people are curious about, you know, you hear so many different things like the glowing red eyes or you hear about different paranormal things that happen to people in the woods and they liken it to Sasquatch or they relate it to Sasquatch, even though I don't think it is. Uh, I could be wrong at the end of the day, but I don't think it is. There is a lot of weird things that happen out there in the forest to where I think some people think Sasquatch has to be a demonic uh, entity that isn't really flesh and blood, but when people see them, they think they're flesh and blood. Well, you know, my daughter and my wife, their culture, believe, uh, they have some beliefs that they are demonic and also messengers and also this and also that, you know. To me, I think they can just be mean. 
I think that they can look mean. They can just be mean. As far as the glowing red eyes, honestly, the only glowing red eyes I have ever seen are on pigs. Because <laughs> uh, their eyes glow red. Right. However, it's, uh, I think that they're flesh and blood. I think they're unique in, in many ways. If they do have any type of supernatural uh, uh, abilities, it, the abilities are born from uh, living in the wilderness. But as far as uh, demonic, uh, I, I, I could say that uh, there has been times that I thought about that. It, it has crossed my mind, but I don't really know what to say about about it. I, I, I'm confused, I guess you might say a little bit. Uh, some of them are very bad, and that may make them seem demonic. Very hateful bullies, uh, they'll kill you. Some don't really want to harm you, uh, but if you get in the way, they will. Uh, and as far as, uh, you know, getting blurry pictures and stuff like that, well, I, I gotta tell you, I get very few blurry pictures of Sasquatch. I get some really good pictures of Sasquatch. I get some really good videos of Sasquatch. I just don't put them out. I don't think Sasquatch has to be blurry. That's my take on that. <laughs> yeah, and I wish you'd release some of that, some of the older stuff that you have, Bob. You know, I think anyone that's been involved in this topic or has an interest in this topic, at some point, the demonic question, I think, comes up. And anyone who has been in this for a long time and that hasn't crossed or says that hasn't crossed her mind is lying uh, because I, I think that does cross people's minds sometimes. You know, and there's a lot of situations out in the woods. And I'm trying to think of one right now uh, that can come across very paranormal, come across very, I guess, what you would call demonic. I'm trying to think of a good example. But there's other situations, too, that are very natural. You know, I've been outsmarted by... Uh, Cougar, uh, Cougar was stalking me and Woody, my brother, and we had turned around to go back to backtrack it, and it had turned around and flanked us from the rear. It was now it knew that we had turned around and was coming back towards it. It made a maneuver to flank us from the rear. But you know, I've been outsmarted by different animals out in the woods. I think as humans, we tend to think we're the smartest thing out there, and that's not really the case. No, uh, you're right. It's not. And of course, you know, where we live, we don't live in the wild. We, you know, we're, many of us are city dwellers and small town dwellers and, you know, people like that. I and mean, we, we don't have what they have. And to a cougar, yeah, you're pretty lucky because to a cougar, you're always on the menu. <laughs> yeah. And I know you've come across cougars and bears out there, haven't you? Oh, yes, I have. I've, I've had it to do with two of them, as a matter of two, two cougars, as a matter of fact. <laughs> You you ended up killing one, didn't you? I I've killed two that have attacked me. Yeah, uh, one was up in the Four Corners area. I was down in some canyons and uh, I I had it come on me. I only had a twenty two at that time, and uh, it uh, wasn't even put together. My little survival twenty two, and I actually uh, it, it tore my shoulders up a little bit uh, or, or a good bit with its claws because it come up and, and jumped on me, you know, from the front. 
if it had been behind me, I, I think I, it probably would have got a teeth sunk in my neck and I probably had a broken neck. But uh, I beat it with a, uh, a piece of wood that was fairly long and, and, you know, really hard. It was hard, dried canyon wood. And I beat it pretty good in the head, was able to get a couple of good whacks into it. And I, I meant to kill it, you know. It, it, it went off, and that night uh, uh, I stayed up pretty much all night and fed wood into the fire. That morning, uh, just as the sun come up, I had gone down, and uh, it was probably about uh, 20 yards from from uh, the overhang where I was at uh, on this little ledge uh, that led up to the overhang, and uh, it, I, I assume it bled to death in the brain. It died. I was, well, to be really honest with you, what I did was I took its pelt and I cooked some meat. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. And then the other one uh, was here in Texas. I was up on a, on a big cottonwood, or not cottonwood, but a, a big uh, water oak tree that had, come, that had gone over. And uh, it was still alive. And I was hunting uh, back uh, in this area that we do a lot of work in also. Anyway, uh, I, I was hunting. I, I was up on that uh, tree down there at the base uh, where, you know, the big root system was and was using that as, as a backdrop or, or uh, you know, as to co- cover for me, you know, I was deer hunting. And I just felt that uh, tree move just a little bit. And just as I turned around to see what had moved the tree, I turned around to see what made the, the 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 tree sway like that, you know, go up and down. Like I said, you know, it wasn't all all the way on the ground. It was, you know, kind of going up, uh, laying over. As soon as I turned around, sure enough, it hit me and it, and it knocked my rifle out of my out of my uh, uh, hand, and I went down off the tree, and uh, it come down and boogered me up a little bit, and I got between the pine trees. I had a bolo with me, and I could throw a knife. I threw that knife into his ribs, which uh, really pissed him off. Anyway, I was I was trying to keep we were I, I, we were racing around the tree, and he kept smacking me on the shins, and I was bleeding, and and uh, he had me opened up pretty good on my on my calves and my legs and on my shins, and uh, I from the fall I had broken a couple of ribs. And uh, I reached down and I picked up my thirty thirty because that's what I was hunting with at the time. And uh, I turned around real quick as they come around that big. It was a big old pine tree, you know. You got it wasn't one of the little tiny pine trees. It was a big old pine tree. As he come around that pine tree, you know, he he was coming across the bark, you know, up about head high, and I popped him with the with that thirty thirty. Fell down the stream. About that time, I pumped about uh, three or four rounds into him, and he went running into another, onto another uh, big uh, uh, water oak and went up in that tree, died up there in, in, in the branches of that tree. You could hear the blood dripping down, dripping down, dripping down. The boys, my boys, you know, Travis and Brandon, they come up after the shooting was over with, and I said, because uh, they were probably about uh, two, 300 yards away from me. And uh, I told him, I said, uh, gee, thanks, guys. 
And they say, well, hell, we weren't coming over here while while you were shooting like that. <laughs> so we were, we could hear all the screaming and hollering. We knew it was a cougar. We just going to sit up here in this tree and make part to be over with. And I said, man, you guys are really something. And, uh, you know, Brandon says, oh, Pop, you know, how we knew you could handle it. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't want to get hit with a straight bullet is what it was. (laughs) Yeah. You know. And uh, anyway, Brandon, he takes his damn boots off, his hunting boots off, and he's going to shin, he's shinning up the damn tree. I said, what are you doing? He said, I want the pelt. I said, I've torn the pelt to pieces. Get back down here before you break something. <laughs> he reluctantly comes back down, and uh, it, 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 you can hear the blood just dripping, dripping, dripping. You can see it up there and running down the side of the tree, you know, the blood. Anyway, they took me to the hospital. <laughs> you know, a few sutures here and there, and I was just fine. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, too, you know, you hear about some of these researchers that go out and they're like, oh, I never take a gun. Uh, you know, Sasquatch is the friendly forest giant. There's no reason to take a gun. And Sasquatch isn't the only thing that'll kill you out in these woods. No, you've got to be careful. What you got to take some protection out there, especially here in, in Texas, because, I mean, you got some big, big uh, uh, blunt tails and uh, people who don't know what a blunt tail is. Uh, it's about a five-foot-long uh, water moccasin, and it takes more than a twenty-two to put them down. And you got you got hogs. You know, we've had hogs come at us. We've been treed. Uh, we've had to down you know hogs before. Uh, on one of our areas out here, uh, where we're doing our operation Overwatch. Uh, we were getting screamed at by a big, big boar. And uh, Javier, you know, he looks at me and I looked at him and he said, he said, uh, pig, you know, he was screaming at us. Hey, have you ever been screamed by a pig? You'd think a Sasquatch was screaming at you if you heard that. Then, you know, there, there's the 600 pound pig that, that, uh, walks that road, that old, uh, uh, fire road that we walk in on to, uh, the San Jacinto River. It's got, uh, it's about 600 pounds by the looks of, of the hoofs. And you can smell the damn thing, uh, because it just gets out of the way. It's got two big, uh, uh, wallers there that it wallers in. It'll go off into the woods and wait for us to pass. But one of these days, that big sucker is going to come out on us. Just like Javier said, you know, it's going to do it sooner or later. It's going to get tired of this. And, you know, you, you got to be careful. You, you, of course, you know, we got cougars uh, here not, what, two years ago. Uh, we got uh, a cougar on flare uh, in, in the area that we work. We got two, we got another one twice on flare uh, across a pond that we worked in, worked by. And, uh, of course, you know, Buku's and Bobcats, which, you know, they can uh, give you a little trouble, but they don't want to mess with you anyway. You know, uh, uh, sometimes we get a wolf. Uh, yes, there's still wolves down here. And, uh, and then, of course, you got the alligators where we work, too. And uh, the cane breaks, I mean, they don't just, they're not just on the ground. They hang in the trees. Yeah, there, there's nothing to see, you know, especially in the spring. 
when they're giving birth and everything to see, you know, five, six to ten young ones hang, uh, 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 curled up in the trees and uh, mama uh, eat, uh, swallowing a squirrel. So, yeah, there, there's there's a lot of things out there that'll kill you. And then, of course, you know, up, up, up in Colorado and different places like that, you know, I had a bear come right up to my elbow. Uh, I was I was hunting deer, and I was sitting in this wall. It, I call it a wall. It's a rock wall that runs for miles, and uh, it, there was a broken place in it. And I was sitting there looking down at this meadow, and it come up and just you know steamed me up, boy. I made it you know hot breath all over me, and all I had was that twenty two, <laughs> you know. I guess he decided that uh, I wasn't worth uh, taking a bite of. And, you know, it was a big old black bear, which is kind of uncommon for black bears. They usually run. Uh, but he came up to see what I was doing. And uh, when he was satisfied with what, what I was doing, he just turned around and walked off. As he walked off that way, I let him get about, you know, 20 yards away, and I got off. And I jumped the rest of the way down into the meadow, which was about a good uh, 20-foot jump. (laughs) So, yeah, you want to always keep, uh, you know, at least a pistol with you. Get your CHL or get your hunting license. Down here, you can carry open carry a pistol if you have your hunting license and your uh, uh, public hunting permit. And, you know, I suggest that you, you know, take it with you. And, and, and I'm not, you know, you don't have to be, uh, uh, blood hungry or whatever, you know, just, it, it's just good because you need the protection. Yeah. Mother nature doesn't suffer fools. That's for sure. You know, and even if mother nature doesn't get you going back to these creatures, you know, they can be very, very unpredictable. I'm still thinking about your encounter from last night. One of the encounters I was thinking of, though, I had a hunter on one time, Bob, and I know the audience has heard this a million times, but I had this hunter on the show. And what happened to this hunter, he really wasn't doing anything. The guy was out hunting, minding his own business, and the Sasquatch comes out and starts screaming at him. And he it throws a rock. And that's why I was asking about how the Sasquatch threw a rock, because the way he described it to me off the air was identical to... The, the way you described it. And in that situation, like I said, it might have been territorial, but basically the Sasquatch attacked him and he ended up shooting it in the head with a 22. And he, he's pretty sure it didn't kill it. He didn't think it penetrated the skull, but he knew it hurt it. He hurt the creature. It bled and it went off screaming. You know, you hear about some of these encounters when people are out there in the middle of nowhere. And I can't imagine not being armed in a situation like that. Uh, one of the questions I got from a listener, one of the questions someone wanted me to ask you about was the Albert Otzman story. And I think everyone out there listening probably knows that account. If you don't, I'm sure you can read about it online. But basically, this guy was sleeping in a sleeping bag. Sasquatch picked him up and took him to an area where the rest of the Sasquatches were. There's certain things in his encounter where I've always felt like that was a true story. You know, like he talks about the gibber before anyone, you know, really mentioned it, ever talked about these things chattering. He describes these things chattering back and forth. And I've always felt like that was a legitimate encounter. 
one of the listeners wanted me to ask you what your opinion on that encounter is. Well, you know, I've been on the fence on that one for, uh, you know, quite a long time. And, and I, I reread the story and I hear it retold and everything many, many times. And, and I think it, it's extremely interesting. And some of the aspects of it are quite consistent with watch activity, you know, normal watch activity, like uh, uh, the way they chatter uh, real fast and, and talk, you know, you know, in other words, conversing with each other. Uh, the, the interest in uh, his coffee and, and what he's doing, the interest in the fire. I, I believe that uh, that actually happened to him, to be honest with you. Uh, I hope it never happens to me. <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I, I believe him. I, you know, I, I'm kind of, I got one foot off the fence. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, and I, I tend to agree with you on that. I know a lot of people say that they don't believe this story, but like you said with the chatter, you know, he's talking about these things gibbering back and forth really fast in kind of a weird monkey chatter, and this is really before anyone talked about them chattering or gibbering. Well, you know, Wes, there's so much out there. There is... uh there are so many mysteries out there that, uh, you know, most most city dwellers, and, and I, I hope no one is offended by me saying that, but that's what I call people who live in the city. <laughs> city dwellers, little town dwellers, you know, they they don't they don't know, and in man's arrogance, they don't want to believe. You know, oh, this could happen. You know, that can't happen. Oh, well, you know, people have explored all of this. Every, you know, people have been everywhere in the United States, but that's simply not true. People have not been everywhere in the United States. There's a large portion of the mountains in Colorado that have never been explored fully, and there's a large portion of uh, our mountain ranges uh, all over, you know, the Cascades, and, and I, I think you understand what I'm saying is that there's, there's just so much that people really have not seen. I mean, much less uh, Native Americans uh, probably haven't seen, and, and, and much wet, much less a, a white person. You know, let me ask you this: How many times has it has a person truly experienced? silence very few that's right but there's places here in america that you can go and experience true silence and you would be amazed how much silence hurts your ears i've had people tell me that yeah it's so quiet my ears are ringing it's so quiet i can't stand it but there are places here in our mountains and in our forests that you can go. And the only thing you may hear is the wind blow. And to me, that's the most beautiful sound in the world as far as uh, that goes. And you have to climatize or, or whatever yourself to, uh, to get used to it. Because if you think about it, people always hear something. You're always hearing your air conditioner, you hear a car, you hear, Radio, you know, a lot of people sleep with their radios going. 
there's always a noise. But you get out there where there's true silence, where very few people go, and uh, it, it's deafening to a lot of people, sometimes almost scary. I didn't mean to get off on that. I was just saying. <laughs> yeah, no, you're fine, Bob. You know, it's it's something to where I've always said it'd be nice to make enough money in life to go live in the mountains and never have to talk to another person or uh, <laughs> never have to see another person. Uh, so, I mean, I completely understand what you're saying. You know, and there's a lot of weird things out there, too, in the woods. I, I got a few questions for you. People wanted me to ask you about some of the, I guess, what we call, quote-unquote, paranormal stuff that happens out in the woods. And it got me thinking as I was reading this question. When I was a kid, there's a place up towards Mount St. Helens, and I want to say it's called, like, Washington's Vortex. And I still, I'm sure my mother still has the picture. But you walk, it's this really weird place. You walk, there's a cabin there, and it's kind of a tourist trap right by Mount St. Helens. And as you walk into this cabin, it survived the blast, and it still has all of the food in there. Still, it's almost like a time capsule. But it's called Washington's Vortex. And if you walk into that area with a compass, your compass will just spin and spin and spin and spin. But in that area, there's as you walk into this little cabin, and I don't know what causes this, but they tell you to take a picture while you're standing inside this cabin. And you walk in, you and everyone, you feel like you're all standing up straight, and they snap a picture, but everyone's standing at an angle. But when you snap the picture, you feel like you're standing up straight. And it's just this weird place, uh, and I'm sure there's other places like it around the country, but it's just this weird place that you run into. Uh, while you were out there mining and hiking all over around the country, did you ever see anything that we would consider, I guess, paranormal or anything strange out there while you're in the woods? Well, uh, yes. When you live close to the land like that, and like the Native Americans do, like I did, uh, and other people have, I mean, I'm not the only one. I mean, there's people up there right now living exactly the same life I lived. When you live out there and you live so close to the land and you're out there every day, this is, this is where you live. The stars is your canopy, you know? Yeah, I, I've seen the orbs. I don't know what they are. I, uh, I can't explain it. Uh, my wife would explain it, of course, through her culture uh, as woodland spirits. She warns me of, uh, you know, not messing with them. And I don't want to mess with them. Uh, it's not what I do. I don't like the paranormal. I have experienced it out on the land, but I don't like it. And I have seen the orbs. I know that they're real. And, and I've, I've talked to many hunters who, uh, come up and, you know, admit that they do have seen the orbs themselves. Uh, yes, I've had paranormal encounters uh, out on the land. If you'd like, I can, I can give you one particular thing that, uh, you know, happened to me out there. Yeah, please do. I came out of Mesa Verde area, out off the uh, Ute Reservation there, and I came into... Uh, Mesa Verde, and I came down <laughs> that switchback. If anybody's ever been to Mesa Verde, I walked that switchback with all that traffic, all those RVs and everything coming down. And, and you're going to say, oh, my God, if you've ever been out there. 
Was this in Utah? No, no, that's in Colorado. It's outside of Durango. Anyway, I, I took a canyon that uh, I thought was still BLM land, and some of it was. And I walked for several days through these canyons, this series of canyons. I got to where uh, I was on. I had found a trail, and it was it was so amazing, Wes, because the trail had been cut in by feet. So many thousands of years of use uh, had had actually, I guess, just melted into that uh, that rock. And you could see the feet, really and truly. You could see the uh, uh, where the feet had come down. You could see the indentions and everything. And uh, I just love these old places, you know. As I walked, I, I wondered about the people who had walked there, you know, way before me. And I wondered if I was one of the first people in, in maybe hundreds of years to, to, to walk that trail again. And it pretty much gave me cold chills. <laughs> but uh, I had found an area where you could see, you know, the wind and the rain and everything. And uh, soil had, you know, come over. But there was definitely a campfire there. And it was old. I mean, this was ancient. And uh, the ring was still there. And, you know, I fixed the ring back up. And I put my campfire there. And the first night, I heard voices, and I heard the uh, uh, whisper of feet, you know, just, just moccasin-whispered feet as, as they walked past. You know, it was, it, was, it was quite amazing. It was a little scary, of course, you know, because I don't like what paranormal. And uh, the second night, I uh, decided that I wouldn't put my campfire back in that uh, old ring. I would make me a new one and not put my campfire, you know, uh, in that one. I was asleep and I heard this noise. It sounded like my, uh, you know, my coffee pot, my teapot. And uh, I looked up and when I looked up, I swear to God, there was an old man, some type of Indian. I had no idea what he was. And I thought that I should speak to this man. And then I realized that I could see through this man. And he was sitting by my fire. And I, then he was gone. And I thought, oh, holy cow, you know, I just saw a ghost. Uh, it, you know, it stays with me today. I mean, it, it really, nothing was really bad happening or anything, but he was just there. And I thought to myself, you know, this is what he did. He camped here and he sat by his fire. I spoke to a friend of mine. Uh, her name is, is uh, Jen and uh, she's a ghost hunter. Uh, and uh, she, you know, told me that, you know, some of that's probably residual. residual. <laughs> and, uh, you know, explained to me what that was. And, uh, you know, it made sense. And yeah, I know that, you know, you go into an old building, you know, back from the 1700s where lots and lots and lots of people, you know, had lived their life and had been in there and a lot of things had taken place and everything that, uh, you know, I mean, 
when it's real quiet and everything in there, you might hear something. You you might hear voices. Uh, I don't know why it does that and why it sticks, you know, around like that, but uh, I guess it does. And I, I moved on, and that's one reason why I didn't. I don't pick up anything. Uh, I don't pick up uh, any of the arrowheads that I find. Just every once in a while, I might you know, take something and I put it in this pouch that I've got and I have a few things in there and some few rocks and scrapers, uh, some broken uh, stone knives and things like that. But I try not to pick it up. And on this particular time, you know, I was out where the Anasazi, you know, were. I had no idea how long these things have laid there. I had found a place where they had chipped a lot of rock. And, uh, you know, made, uh, uh, I found a, 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 you know, a chipping hammer. I found, uh, some, uh, old arrowheads. I found, uh, I even found a, a hide scraper. Well, I figured with a hide scraper and an all, and all, you know, where they made to punch holes in, in, into buckskin and stuff, uh, you know, into their, their hides that they rendered and everything. And I just, I just could not pick it up. Because how long had it laid there and the wind has covered it up and uncovered it? How long has those things been there? I, I just couldn't pick it up. It, it just hit me that, you know, it wasn't right. And uh, just, you know, I don't think it's right to mess with the dead either, you know, to dig up these bones and everything. But uh, I don't know. People might say I'm silly or something, but. That's just the way I felt about it. And so I left it. And that's when, you know, I finally found my way up into an Anazi ruin. And when I got up there, well, you know, the the, uh, uh, the Anazi ruin, you know, where the scrapers, where they, you know, are grinders that they grind their corn and and, and, and other, you know, things with. You know, there were, I found things like that up there. And... uh the corn, you know, there, there was still corn kernels stuck inside of those inside of those uh, uh, grinders, and I found a you know a corn crib that had uh, you know still had little tiny corns in it, and uh, you know they were dried, uh, you know like I told you you know I could probably use them for popcorn, you know at night, you know stay, I've stayed up there for about two or three months, and uh, at night I could hear things. Uh, that I know, you know, were, had to be residual or ghosts, you know, uh, spirits, whatever you want to call it. But it, it, it didn't really bother me. I didn't. I wasn't camping inside the, the any of the ruins or anything. I was outside uh, uh, where the spring that ran. There was a big old spring that ran down there and made a couple of waterfalls and good sweet water. And, and I was camped there. Uh, I thought it was more respectful in a way to the dead to the, to whatever you know and yes i've had a lot of uh, uh native american influence in my life and 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 that seemed the right thing to do it was amazing you know staying there for those months that i stayed there and up on top you could see uh we're up on top of the mesa or the canyon you could see where uh they had farmed and there were still little pieces, you know, little, little uh, you know, little corn plants here and there, and everything spindly little things, you know, and, and stuff like that. 
and it, you know, it's just totally all amazing. And to me, I thought to myself, how long has this been here? How long have these things reseeded themselves? You know, how long has the Anasazi been, you know, been gone? How long did they live there? Uh, you know, a thousand years, 800 years, a thousand years, 2000 years. I don't know. But it was just utterly amazing because it was just like, uh, they were still there in a way. And I know that doesn't have anything to do with Sasquatch, but yeah, you know, that's kind of the paranormal things that I've run into out there. Well, no, I, I think that's important to talk about. You know, there is weird things that happen. I had a guy one time who had a Sasquatch encounter and then we got off air and he said, you know, Wes, I want to tell you about this that happened to me. He ended up sleeping in a, in the old Indian burial ground. And he, he ended up staying the night there. That's not what I want to. Yeah. Well, he made that mistake. And he said that he heard what sounded like he was awoken at night and what sounded like old Indian language of a bunch of Indians all talking in the middle of the night. He would hear stuff run through his camp and there was nothing there. And he decided to get out of there. But, you know, it's like I always said, I really think that stuff goes on. I really do. People, you know, will say, well, they don't believe in that. But I think that stuff goes on. I really do. I think there's weird stuff like the orbs. You know, who, who ever thought that people would see orbs in the forest? But yet, I mean, I can produce about a thousand emails of people who say they saw these orbs out running around in the forest, flying around in the forest. A lot of that goes on. You know, it's kind of goes back to what I was asking about the uh, glowing red eyes that people see. And they they don't necessarily see a Sasquatch with glowing red eyes, but they'll see an outline of a figure that's about seven to eight feet tall with glowing red eyes, and they think it's automatically Sasquatch. But to me, I think that's something more demonic. You know, there was a entity in some of the biblical writings about a demonic figure that would that had glowing red eyes that people would run into out in the woods, up in the mountains, they'd run into this entity that had glowing red eyes and it was a demonic entity that they'd run into in the forest. I don't think that has anything to do with Sasquatch. I, I, I don't either, Wes. I, I don't believe that there are orbs and everything have uh, anything to do with Sasquatch. I think it's a whole different uh, ball of wax, basically. Yeah, you know, a lot of these people, they see the glowing red eyes. And do I believe them? Yeah, I do. I think they probably ran into something weird out there. Do I think it was Sasquatch-related? I don't. But I do believe that they ran into something. They are describing something that they're running into. Well, I was just going to say, there, there there are things out there. When you live out there like I did, uh, and, and even some of the hunters that go out there and they spend a lot of time, uh, a lot of the old prospectors, you know, a lot of the prospectors today, if you could get some to come on, uh, you know, they might could tell you some tales, but you're out there on that land. You're out there. You're not anywhere near a town or, or a city. You're, you're just out there. And this is all open land, all open forest. And things happen out there. I mean, they don't just stand out there. The trees don't just stand out there alone. There's stuff out there. And I mean, there's stuff that I've seen in the skies. I've seen come down and go through, uh, you know, canyons in, in high meadows and stuff like that that I can't explain. 
there's, there, there's stuff out there. That's all I can say is that there is stuff out there. And there are some bad stuff out there, too, like what you're talking about. I believe that demons also walk that country, as you were saying, you know, uh, you know, something demonic. I believe that, I mean, I, I, I totally believe that. I've had some run-ins with uh, paranormal things that, uh, you know, I, I just... I just really hate paranormal, and that's one of the reasons why I I don't like it. I I, I would rather deal with a Sasquatch than deal with ghosts or or something demonic or whatever. <clears throat> Put it that way. Yeah, a Sasquatch can bleed. But there, there there's things out there. Yeah, people should need to believe that there are things out there. I'm beginning to understand a little bit more about why. You know, this topic is a funny topic because when you're talking to even some of the Native Americans, uh-huh. they'll call it the forest brother or the friendly forest giant. And then you talk to some other Native Americans and they'll tell you it's a cannibal. It'll rip your head off. It'll eat you. Yeah, or the giant rapist or... Yeah, or the giant rapist or, you know, and they'll give it different... The kidnapper. And I think the kidnapper, yeah. And I think a lot of that has to do with people's experiences with these things. I mean, to be honest with you, I think some of the Native Americans are just as confused as we are uh, in the sense that everyone has a different story based on their own experiences. Yet I believe all of their experiences. Does that make sense? I mean, yeah, it makes it, it's kind of like... Um, because, uh, the, you know, the Native Americans, of course, they've lived their life on the land. And they still do, and they still have that spiritual awareness, you know, that a lot of people, a lot of white people don't have. And I guess that's what I was trying to talk about or, or trying to, you know, relay is that, you know, I, I did have that uh, spiritual uh, awareness, uh, you know, from being out there and living out there like I, like I did. And, and so do they, you know, uh, they understand uh, the spiritual world a lot more a lot better than, uh, you know, uh, uh, Anglos do, as they call us. Uh, you know, you go out there on the land and you'll see stuff. You will hear stuff that aren't that have anything to do with Sasquatch. You know, you'll feel things. You, 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 you'll you you get, uh, well, you know, like I told you, you know, when I was in the Four Corners area, uh, I was down in, uh, in, in some of those canyons and I was sitting up on, actually I was sitting up on one of the canyon walls looking down, uh, you know, looking for a way to get down into the canyon. The, the, uh, the air did something really weird. Uh, it, uh, it shook the air. I mean, that's the only way I could describe it is that it shook. It shook all around me and all around. And it kind of had a shimmy to it, shimmer to it. And it didn't last very long, but when it was over with, I didn't recognize where I was at. You know, the trees were wrong, uh, that were down in the canyon. And, uh, you know, some of the rocks were wrong and, and you know, I, I couldn't find my camp. And, uh, you know, I camped that night up on the rim of the canyon and, uh, you know, I had made a new camp and everything. I, I didn't know where my pack was. I didn't know where anything was. I was just totally turned around. And sometime in the night, you know, I woke up because it was doing it again. And when it was, you know, when it was over with and done, 
uh, I, my camp was about 20 feet away from me, my original camp. And how, how do you how do you explain that? How do you explain that? You can't explain that to people. And I found out that, you know, other people have had those uh, same experiences. It's just something that I don't very, I very easily talk about. Uh, it's very personal, actually, and it, you know, it really is to me very personal. And uh, but this is but this is what really happened. And I had uh, some Native Americans who I know uh, actually explain this to, to me. Uh, they called it like a, a similar to a skyquake in a way. An air, an earthquake, like you have a uh, earthquake, we have an earthquake. I never heard anything like that before, but they were familiar with it. They had a word for it, you know, in their language, and uh, it's something that they don't talk about very often, uh, especially the Anglo's. It's kind of like when it's done, you're in a whole different place, and this has happened to me about two or three times out there, uh, especially in the Canyonlands uh, around the Four Corners. Yeah, totally disoriented. Everything looked different. Uh, it was almost like you were, everything was wrong. Like you were in the, in a different place somehow. Yeah, I think what you're referring to, Bob, is, is it's called a skyquake. I think that's what you're referring to. And it's a real phenomenon that goes on on this planet. I think even Lewis and Clark talked about it. And kind of the same thing as you're de- describing is, is what they described. And they talked about getting the feeling of getting disoriented. Well, I was just going to say, and that's how it was explained to me, was that, you know, I was actually kind of lucky because uh, sometimes when that happens, uh, they say people don't come back. There's stuff out there that we don't understand. When you experience it, you you don't understand it, and and you try to put it away. And if you tell it in, in, you know, our arrogance, we don't believe people who who tell you these things, or, or we scuff at them, you know. There's things to be learned about the natural world that we don't understand. And and I always say this to uh, everybody that I, I meet, and especially young guy, young kids who are uh, uh, demoralized or, or, or you know, just uh, don't understand what they were fighting for and things like that. I tell them, go on a walkabout, you know. Just go out there and climb a mesa. Go up there uh, and and pan some gold and stay out there for a few months. You know, you don't have to winter out there or anything like that. You know, just go for the summer. Take a walk around. Uh, you, you know, it's very spiritual. I, I think all young people need to get out of the city and spend a few months out there in the natural world. I think that it would be better for them. I don't know. Some people might not get anything out of it, but I think a lot of people would. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be preaching. <laughs> no, you're fine, Bob. You know, and, and that's kind of one of the things why I hate to even say this, especially after the Bigfoot saving your life story. I'm mean, going to feel like a real bastard saying this, but, you know, that's why I really want one of these things shot and brought in so that we could end this mystery and move on to the next. Yeah, but I hope nobody shoots any of them except for the uh, mean ones. <laughs> they can come shoot the mean ones down here. <laughs> but, yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, yeah, I, I suppose that uh, 
I guess you'd have to have a body to stop all the hullabaloo, I guess you might say. And and the thing about it is, is that, uh, you know, you got to do, I guess you'd have to do it all in secret and everything. And, you know, not don't let anybody see it until you get up to the to a television station or whatever, and then, you know, let people look at it. Maybe have a, a veterinarian or a couple of doctors with you to verify that this is real. And the thing about it is, Wes, you know, I don't mind talking about them. I don't mind getting their sounds. I don't mind doing a lot of that stuff. But in a lot of ways, I don't really care if Sasquatch has ever proved to be real. I know that they're real, and, you know, people are arrogant, and they're not going to, you know, believe anything. You, you can bring a body in and show it on TV, and there'll still be stuffers. You know, there'll still be people that, uh, you know, hate you for bringing it in. There'll still be people who uh, believe it's fake, and then the rumors start and, and everything. And, and, you know, I, I just say leave it be. Just leave it be. He's, you know, they're fine where they're at, and we're fine where we're at. And anybody who wants to go out there and live like I did, you know, I think it's a good life. I think they'll learn a lot of stuff. They'll be amazed what they'll see. And they may not even see a Sasquatch. They may never see one. But uh, then again, they might. But I, I know they'll see other things. And they'll they'll have other feelings, and and by the time it's over with, they'll have a, a respect for Mother Nature. Mother Nature is a very harsh teacher. Uh, she can either teach you and help you survive, and you've got to get that lesson down, or either she will kill you. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Bob. Thanks for coming on the show. I really do appreciate it. I enjoyed talking with you, even though some of it wasn't really Sasquatch related. It was fun hearing the stories. Uh, from when you were out there mining. So thank you again for coming on. I just want to give a shout out to all my all my buddies out there that you know to Tim and Mark and and Javier and uh to Mo and and uh to uh Gabe and to say, you know, uh keep on swatching, I guess. <laughs> well, I appreciate you asking me and and uh I really do appreciate uh, the people who, you know, enjoy listening to me and everything. I, I didn't realize it, <laughs> to be honest with you, and, and I, I really do appreciate them. Little wiser